Ignite your curiosity with Austin next. We're watching Austin transform from a thriving ecosystem into a global superstar. With our host, Jason Scharf, we aspire to better comprehend the true nature of innovation. Together, we will uncover what makes a successful ecosystem and navigate the technologies shaping our future. Now let's dive into what's next. Driving connections in an innovation ecosystem is vital to both its health and its growth. Going on a group walk is not something that crossed my mind as a way to do this, but my mind's been changed, which is why I invited Elle Beecher to come on the podcast to discuss the community she's building, its effect on the ecosystem, and how we might add a new layer to my mental model of Austin. Elle is the founder of The Boardwalks, a weekly event where curious people walk five miles and brainstorm. She's on a mission to bring walk chapters across the country so that every Saturday morning at 8 a.m., no matter where you are, you can pencil in two hours of potentially life-changing conversation. Since July 2022, Elle has seen that these walks are the perfect way to learn, grow, and generally connect with people you've probably never met. Outside of hosting and scaling the walks, Elle works at Meta launching new ad products. Elle, welcome to the Austin X Podcast. Hello, good to see you, Jason. I'm so excited for this conversation. Mm. Me too as well. So talk to me about what the boardwalks is and walk me through the origin story. Yes. Oh my gosh. So I can talk about the boardwalks for probably 10 hours straight. So uh, I'm going <laughs> to really try to keep this short, but the boardwalks are a weekly event where curious people walk five miles and brainstorm. And that might sound simple, but there are so many ingredients that go into it and make the magic happen. And I have now hosted 58 of these walks every single Saturday at eight in the morning. And we've hosted uh, four of the walks in San Francisco, also at Saturday, eight in the morning. And that is what the boardwalks are. Now, where did they come from? Like all of the best ideas, they came from an extension of something that you love to do. And I absolutely love to walk. I walk a minimum of two miles a day, but I, I hesitated there because I usually walk over four, but sometimes I'm slacking. So it's like two to four, minimum two by myself, my solo walks, there's no headphones. It's just pure boredom, me in the trail and my thoughts. And I would be walking these five miles by myself. And so I figured back on July 16th, 2022, you know what? I'm going to be out here on this trail Let's have two of my friends who I've really wanted to meet, meet on this group walk. And then what do you know, nine people, including a baby, showed up on the walk for walk number one. And afterwards, we're like, you know what? There was something really special about that. Should we just do this again next Saturday? And then we did. And then we did it again and again and again. And 58 weeks later, here we are. <laughs> so that is the the wacky origin story of the most exciting thing that I've ever created. <laughs> At what point did you, and I'll, I'll kind of loop into you know my connection to it and where, why, you know, it became interesting on my, on my radar, but so it kind of started with, you said, you know, your couple of friends and then being nine people and then grew from there. But at what point did it go from, this is something interesting and we're doing to a lot more of something intentional that you were creating? What was, what was that tipping point that just, oh, this is fun, we're, we're doing this, to I'm starting to actually create something and I need to think about the way I'm creating it? That's a fantastic question. So believe it or not, that probably started happening around walk number 20. And up until walk 20, I had realized, you know, this is something I love to do. I'd be doing it anyway. So I had absolutely no ego about it. It was just, if anybody else shows up here, I'm, I'm thrilled because I'd be here by myself and I'd post a selfie from the trail if it was just me. So the fact that, you know, four, five, 10, 15, 20 people would show up was just a bonus. But believe it or not, when they became something really intentional was when we ran into a little bit of uh, kerfuffles socially within the community itself. Quick, quick question uh, on 20, about how many people were at it at that point? At that point, there was probably around 20. We were averaging about 20 people every walk. And 
what they were and what they've always been actually is word of mouth using Twitter. So the one and only way I have ever invited anybody is an open invite tweet every week. That is just a picture of the walk with join us every Saturday, 8 a.m. in Austin. That's it. That's what it's been from day one. And we're not on Eventbrite or Meetup or anywhere else. And I've had so many platforms reach out to me and say, we want to put your walks on our platform. And I'm like, no, (laughs) I want it to be pure word of mouth. And so that's what it was. And because I wanted to do it my way in an eccentric philosophy that I call non-invitation, meaning that I would never reach out and say, hey, come on my walk. Never once. Uh, Outside of that one tweet, which was open invite, I would never DM anybody and say, hey, are you coming tomorrow? Or, hey, it'd mean a lot to me if you showed up on Saturday. No, because I did not want to create an energy of obligation, which is felt in the experience. Because the second that you send somebody a DM and say, hey, it'd mean a lot to me if you came, they're probably going to come not to disappoint you and not because they really want to be there. So from the very beginning, I said, what is more important to me? The number of people who come or people who are really excited to come at a horrifically inconvenient time and day, (laughs) Saturday at 8 a.m. That's what I wanted. So the culture of uh, and spirit of non-invitation coupled with that friction of it being such a difficult time and day to get at, that is what created that special environment. So by walk 20, We had about 20 people coming regularly in a village. These are people who I was seeing at this point on a weekly basis, like familiar faces. These are people who, some of which have come on over 40 walks at this point. Uh, Shout out to Isaac and Lucas, uh, who are tied for the most walks attended right now, actually. (laughs) We actually made a joke that Lucas was going to Tanya Harding Isaac's knee uh, because he wanted to take take over the the goal. Whatever it takes. (laughs) It was really funny. So we have, you know, it's just like a little community. It's a village of people I see all the time. And I I love dearly. So at this point, 20 people. And believe it or not, this is always so funny to think about. There was a, a gentleman who started joining the walks, who was using them for speed dating. And it was not subtle. He was coming and he was basically interviewing the women on the walks to be his girlfriend. And this eventually got back to me, even though at that time there was really no structure. It was small enough to where I felt like I had a pulse on everything. So there were really no rules, no structure. We were walking, you know, that five miles, that 2.55 miles, which I experimented with the length a bunch to get to that five miles. And when it got back to me, I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? I mean, I really, I mean, this was so unexpected. I did not see this coming. And it kind of sent me into an existential crisis on behalf of the walk. Because here I am at this point doing this for 20 weeks in a row. And I encountered a situation I didn't know how to handle. And I really sat there and said, you know what? How did this happen? This happened because I am assuming that people are going to show up here with my same intention without saying my intention. So I'm assuming that there are going to be people who are going to come just for conversation. That was my first mistake, because if you don't set ground rules, if you don't set an intention, people will project their own intention onto your space. So I sat there and I was like, okay, I need to handle this situation. I need to have a hard conversation with this person. And it was actually my co-host for the Austin Walk, Veronica Wolferman, who had this amazing, crucial conversation with this person. And she and I really brainstormed, like, how do we prevent this extremely uncomfortable situation from happening again? Because it had essentially gone too far with that person. And there were people who were made to feel uncomfortable. And we, we couldn't save it right? Like it, it, it couldn't be constructive at that point. It had to be an enforcement conversation for lack of a better phrase. And so I was like, okay, I will prevent this by inventing ground rules. And that process of me being like, what is this? What 
if I had a magic wand and could create a walk utopia, what would be in my walk utopia? I had to really sit down and be like, when the walk is at its best, what is it? Who is there? What are we doing? What's our intention? So I created the format out of this moment, out of this severe awkwardness <laughs> that I didn't see coming. And then from there, I almost got it addicted to refining it and to being like, okay, I created something. Now we're in a stage where it's like more people are coming. It, the magic and intention and energy needs to be protected. And I have to prevent this awkward, what do we do? Oh, when somebody comes and does this, if they come and they try to sell something, if they come and they try to speed date, if they come and they're trying to monologue to somebody about their bad dating experiences, what do you do? And so from that moment forward, I was like, I will never be caught like this again. I will have a playbook for exactly what needs to happen when this stuff happens. Yeah. So that walk 20 was when it became very intentional for me. Now, at the same time that you have the clear boundary line that was obvious to you on what you like, this has gone too far. And you said you, you envisioned your walk utopia and, and how you want to frame that. Everybody does though yeah. come with a different intention. And I don't mean intention in a bad way. I mean, intention in a good way. I want to get different things from this walk. And I think it's kind of a, a good moment to kind of, you know, my, the way I kind of came about with this kind of uh, how it came across my radar, right? I'd actually, you know, we first met at the walk it was last week. So that was kind of my first, mm -hmm. my first walk, but it, it had actually, I don't know why, but it come across Twitter before and it was just not something that was interesting to me. It did not seem that it was appealing to, to what I was looking for in networking and the like, like it, it didn't seem to hit the vibe that that was from that, what I was looking for. And to be honest, the funny part was, and this is what it is, is at least when I looked at the pictures and listened to the things, a lot of it came from the one, the time perspective. I think the difference between uh, you, yeah. you and myself is like, you know, I have, I have small kids and Saturday morning and the idea of this, like, that's, that's a big lift to ask me to be like, okay, I'm going to leave everybody, go do something for two hours on a Saturday morning early. And so, yeah. that, so, so that was, that was that. And what kind of came around in one of these aspects was, when the beginning of the Forbes 30 under 30 for Austin came, the, you know, the author actually tweeted at uh, a whole lot of different people, myself included. It was like, Hey, you know, if you know anybody interesting, that would be that for nominations that you should go, you know, nominate you know, who's, who's, who fits this criteria. And I kind of laughed, you know, in later conversations, I'm like, I, I don't know anybody under 30. Like just like generally speaking, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I do, but like it was, I, that was just kind of like the first, I was like, I don't know a lot of people in that just because of place of life and, and those kinds of things. And so it was kind of funny that after the list came out and trying to find different angles of networking and saw that, you know, you had made the list and this had done and there were some scheduling things that made it slightly easier in terms of like children activities. I was like, Hey, yeah. why don't I actually go and try this and see what, you know, what ends up happening. And that was one of the things that was really interesting from my perspective and getting back to the intentions. My intention here was actually to one, see it from a different perspective and see it was like, okay, I'm actually trying to in theory, meet a crowd that's very different than the group that I normally meet, even though, did meet people who knew people that I knew. So it wasn't as far away from the groups that you would expect. And so when you think about that intentionality and as people come in, how do you think about the ground rules and the box that you want to put around it without smothering yeah. people's creativity and interest that they want to do? Yes. 
that thank you for sharing. It's it's really good to know um, that the the time and day was a barrier because it's designed to be one actually, and and not to keep uh, anyone out or to keep you out or to keep parents with small kids out. Some of my favorite people who come are parents, and they bring their babies, and we have babies in harnesses and strollers, and I'm I'm trying to figure out how to be inclusive to like the five through ten year old group. You described all of my children. Yeah, exactly. Because their legs aren't quite long enough uh, to make it, you know, comfortably. So I'm really thinking through that one. But I, long story short, love including parents and being all inclusive. And that's actually part of the walk's magic is that it's open to everyone as long as you consider yourself curious, kind and open minded. And that is in the ground rules and something that I actively enforce. And you might ask, how do you enforce on values, but it's really on the behaviors that create those values. So how do you enforce on making sure that everybody's curious? This actually comes very cleanly with the intention, which is to have energizing conversations across all topics. So that intention, which is super critical, is stated at the event itself in my ground rules speech, as you know, but then also online in the actual event signup, it's said plain black and white, uh, please reflect and bring a topic to discuss, which can be anything and you don't have to be an expert in it. And you can just be absolutely curious about it. It could be something you saw on Twitter that you really want to learn more about because the magic here is that we're bringing together people of all different backgrounds. And we've had actors, professors, we've had athletes, we've had tech folks, venture capitalists, I mean, you name it, the, the gamut of backgrounds on this walk of all ages, our youngest being six, six months old and our oldest person being over 70 come to the walks. And that's the magic of it is that a lot of the time, this group of 50 or more people may hold the keys to something that you didn't even know you were looking for. And what you're creating in this environment bound by that very strong intention of conversation and intentional conversation is here are people, curious, kind, open-minded, who are down to walk and chat. That is what we're here to do. If you're not somebody who would enjoy that, you probably won't like the walks and you, and you probably should not come. And coming uh, to the walk at Saturday in the morning is also a detractor there. But if you are someone who fits all of those parameters, loves to walk and talk, and is willing and able to wake up that early, this is the space for you. And so the way I see the intention is very much how do you make a niche out of curiosity? How do you make a niche out of people who are bound by a love for meaningful and energizing conversations? It's a niche that I don't really see being built for, especially not in the in real life event space. So that's where the walks came to be. A lot of people challenge me on this because they're like, curiosity is not a niche. I totally disagree. I don't think that every person who walks the earth can honestly call themselves curious. I think it's a very specific kind of person. And curious plus kind plus open-minded plus a lover of energizing conversations, that's my person. That's who I'm building for. That's who the walks are for. And when those people find the walks, they join, they fall in love with it, they call it life-changing, and they come over 40 times. So that's my person. And I strongly believe that there are just legions of these exact archetype people in every city, which is where that scale comes in. So that is when you, when you ask about intention, like that's where the intentionality comes in. We think about the intentionality though. I think we've been focused a lot on the person, almost the customer for lack mm -hmm. of a better term of that's coming into this or the, the member, the, the person who really goes to this. But networking, connection, connectivity, especially in a dynamic innovation ecosystem, is something we talk about a lot. I mean, I was actually just at a, a Bob Metcalf uh, talk uh, uh, earlier this week and just talking about the importance of connectivity. And we have so many different types of connectivity events. Uh, you're talking about like these things. We have coffees, we have happy hours, we have 
drinks, we have breakfasts, we have all of these different kinds of things, everything from the highly curated to the here's the 500 person free for all. When you think about the design of the walk product almost, and you think about how you're creating mm -hmm. it different from these different in real life networking types of events, community events, you know, what, with the category that we're going to kind of lump them all into. How is it that you're thinking about it differently? Because I will say, like, I've been to all of them, right? All of these types of different things. And, and I, I, you know, and I have different types of ones that I personally like, don't like. One of the things, and obviously I will reveal more about myself in this thing. I, what I found interesting to me, uh, and this is just my own preferences, I've tended to like structured conversation style better than the free for all, you know, happy hour. Like that's never been my like. And what was interesting to me was there was a free for all element to the walk that didn't feel like the free for all element to a networking meeting, even though I knew no one there. So it still had the same happy hour element of that. And so it's just an interesting, different dynamic that, you know, I, I want to explore a little bit and how, how you think about the, the way you're creating that, that, that product. Yeah, absolutely. So this is where, okay, man, where do I start on this? There's so many directions I could go in. There are key components of the walk format that make it special and that make people leave feeling like, wow, I am energized. I chatted with five new people about something that I probably predicted I'd talk about, but then a bunch that I didn't, that might be life-changing. And I also got 10,000 steps in before 10.30 a.m., which is fantastic. And so when you think about like, how do you get to that? How do you create an experience that gets somebody to say what I just said? That's where the walk format comes in. So I think about it in an experience design term that actually someone on my walks, my regular Takashi told me, which is uh, tight parameters loosely held. So on the walk, these are the, the tight parameters. Saturday, eight in the morning, every single week, you have five miles you have the same exact route that we are walking every time with the philosophy that I created being that you control the external circumstances to change the internal circumstances. So if you're in a predictable, familiar environment, you're walking that route. I can walk that route, that five mile loop that we do in my sleep because I've done it 58 times every single Saturday. So when I experience the walk as a regular, as someone who has come so many times to this walk, I have new insights, new ideas, uh, new light bulb moments every single time I go because I'm not actively thinking and using my conscious mind when I'm on the trail. And that's where you get people who come to the walk once and they come every week after that because that's what's happening in the brain. And that's what you're activating when you're walking, which feels very different than like you had mentioned, other networking events of which there are a billion formats. But in this specific format, it's we are walking five miles on that same route to control the external experience and ex uh, external conditions. What else does that do? Just what walking does to the brain and how it activates it is creating openness within people to go into different offshoots of conversation that they may not explore otherwise because they're not having to make direct eye contact and hold a sweaty drink and look at someone at a bar that's super loud and they're having to talk over everybody and they're in a little awkward circle and everybody is like trying to butt in, but they don't know how. You eliminate all of that when you're on a walk. Basically, from where I'm standing, you eliminate all the really just cringe, like hard parts about networking events by doing it in a walk format, which is why I love this so much. This is why I think 
and a lot of the feedback that I've gotten, which I call randomly five people after every walk, um, it's totally randomized. And I ask for their feedback. This is how I get, um, this is where more of my product background comes in and my sales background, but this is where I get like net promoter scores. This is where I get product market fit score and where I literally calculate this using a set of questions. And as far as product market fit goes, which is how likely are you to be disappointed if you can't use this product again, or if you can't come experience this again, we're at like hundred percent of people who would be extremely disappointed if this wow. didn't exist so much so that they tell me like, if you stop doing this, I'd literally still show up. And so many people tell me that like this, this walk lives beyond me because they know that for the last 58 weeks, every Saturday eight in the morning, we're at that coffee shop. So even if I didn't show up tomorrow, other people, probably 50 people would. Like nobody knows if I'm going to be there. I just am. <laughs> so so all of that is to say, like that's how I think about the design of the experience is what are the brilliant basics? What are the foundational elements of this walk that have to be controlled in order to create a specific container where people can organically thrive and create new connections in their brain and also with other people? One thing that I haven't mentioned yet, um, which is, this is like the more non-obvious part of the walk. So there's two. First, it's a massive driver for personal growth. And what I mean by this is when you are a more introverted person who maybe felt a little isolated during the pandemic, or you just moved to the city and you don't really have a network of people here, you don't have many friends here, this walk is the perfect low pressure way to show up to be intentional, to bring a topic and to give it your all for those two hours, for those five miles and walk away most likely with someone that you really connect with. And, and I, I don't ever promise friendship, but it happens. I promise conversation, but friendship happens along the way, which is very exciting. So you have the personal growth element being like literally building social confidence with every walk that you go to. And I hear this from so many people. Arth and Lincoln recently over the last two or three weeks have, we've talked about it together, just saying that they went from being uh, introverted a little bit. How do I find my footing in this city to, I come to this walk every single week and I don't intend to miss it because now I went from being an introverted person who would shy away from social interaction to I'm going up to people in public. I am striking up conversations with strangers in the elevator and I am operating as an actual socialite in the city. And all it took was three months of walking uh, Saturdays at 8 a.m. regularly. So that personal growth element is what I'm actually so, so excited about that is hard to capture in words or even in the description of the walks. So that's the one non-obvious part. The second non-obvious thing is the community management. I touched on this at the very beginning when I talked about having to have that conversation with the person who was speed dating. Our first speed dater, there have been a couple, but that community management piece, which I know you and I talked about on the walk itself, is silent. No one knows it's happening unless I'm having a conversation with you about one of the rules. And that's the magic of it because the intention and the rules are set and I, and you saw me, I get up there and I give an over three minute speech that's very specific. And I outline all of the expectations and who this is for, what we're here for, what you might do, some tips on how to have the best experience. An example there would be like, some people set a goal of talking to over five people each time. So I throw in little hints and tips for people who are there for the first time, of course. But that ground rule speech sets the foundation for me to have uh, crucial conversations for people's personal growth and to also have either proactive or reactive conversations on, hey, I got this feedback or, hey, I actually observed or noticed this thing that I wanted to put on your radar and talk to you about or just do an intention check-in if I'm getting feedback of, of any kind that might be potential violation of the ground rules. And that literally happens at least once on every single walk at this point. And no one knows it's happening, which is also key. So I think Austin's at an interesting time in that we have this opportunity as a thriving ecosystem. And I've talked a lot about it on the podcast. I think that we are 
making this ability to transform into being really a, the next superstar. And yeah, it becomes modeled off of a new model, right? I, I always hate the, and I've said this so many times on this podcast, but like, I hate the Silicon Hills. I hate Silicon Beach, Silicon Alley. Like as soon as you try to be something else, um, you're always going to be second rate that. And part of this transformation yeah. though, is just that it's a transformation. So you have new groups, new communities, old groups have to transform or die off. And one of the things in that is the nature of communities and networking is changing in Austin for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. One of them being just downtown's not the center of the universe. We're growing in multi-hub. You've got remote work. We've got all these different sectors. If you were to think, so there's more two different questions here. So one is for the community of the boardwalks or the walks themselves, you talked about like this community and this, mm -hmm. this, this personal growth. What do you see as possibly the second and third order effects of a group like this to both the community and the, the ecosystem as a whole? And the second thing is, where do you think, because this work can't be the only networking community group out there, right? We need lots of these things. I mean, that's for us to thrive is there can't be just one. We have to have tons of different niches and, and yeah. cross sections. What do you think that they should learn, apply, think about differently kind of going forward? Yeah. So I'll go into the first one about the second and third order effects of, of what I'm building. So I am building even though it's open to all, I'm building for a very specific person, curious, kind, open-minded, who loves conversations. But the magic of that is that it's across background, age, and industry. So I know you and I have chatted about creative collisions and the walks being a great example of a space where those happen. That is what I'm most excited about for second, third order effects, where you have people who would probably never have met anywhere else across all these different backgrounds and specialties and industries in the same place, knowledge sharing and chatting and creating. And I can't tell you the amount of businesses, side projects, <laughs> even just financial strategies, relationship strategy that have been born out of these walks. And they are in an unintended way, a hotbed of innovation that happens every week because of the fact that they bring together people of different backgrounds. And so the second order effect of the walks is that now we have cross industry communication. We've broken down silos, which my experience of Austin before the walks was very much, here's the tech event. Here's the product management event. Here is the salespeople event. Here's biotech. And it was all very siloed. But where is the more generalized networking event with a strong intention that allows these people to brainstorm? Where is that? Not just to meet, right? Because that would be like your traditional happy hour. But how do we get these people in a room actually spitballing, brainstorming? bringing ideas, discussing, and then seeing what leapfrogs from there or what, what innovation we can create in that environment. So I'm very excited to see all the different things that continue to crop up and these unlikely partnerships or mentorships in, in some situations that have been created from the walks as a second order effect. Um, so when I had Peter Walker from Carta on a few weeks ago, and part of his answer to what's next Austin as we are making this transition was uh, I'm, I'm reading here is, is there enough density of interesting people who are excited about hard problems that want to get together and talk nerdy to each other? And it's really funny. Yes. Because I've talked to him a number of times since that conversation and have just pinged him after these random coffee conversations that I've had that it's like, we met to talk about X and we <laughs> went off on I, I was actually meeting with a, uh, you know, a, a, a healthcare VC with the intention of us talking about that. And we ended up talking about autonomous cars as a service for 45 minutes. I don't even remember how we got on the topic, <laughs> but we just ended up going down that rabbit hole for, yep. I, for you know, forever. It was just, in, it was just kind of fun. I, I went out and I was like, yep, this is, 
these are the topics and conversations that you that you want to have because occasionally those spark into a you know there's something here and I want to I want to pull that thread and maybe we should have a second conversation about it or a third conversation. Yeah. So, it, like seriously, like oh the choirs are singing and the skies are opening because that is literally what the walks are for. The walks are for people to go down the rabbit hole together. And, and this is how they're designed because you come just like what you literally just said, you come to the walk with a topic, right? You come to the walk with an intention. I want to talk about attachment styles. I want to talk about how to start a business. I want to talk about how to make friends as an adult. You could come with the whole gamut, right? Will you talk about that over five miles? Probably. But you're also going to talk about like 10 other things that you never saw coming because the one thing you can't predict is who you will be talking to. Are you going to talk to the professor? Are you going to talk to the astrophysicist? Are you going to talk to the PhD in computer engineering? Are you going to talk to the Tesla engineer? Are you going to talk to the venture capitalist? Are you going to talk to the new father who just had a child? Who are you going to talk to? You don't know. And so you have no idea. You have an, an opinion on, you know what? I think I'm going to talk about this thing. And you probably will. But it's what happens after that where you kind of get your own intention out of the way and then you create space for the flow. And that's where you get into the 45 minute conversation about autonomous vehicles as a service. I see that happen every single week. I mean, that is the magic of it. And that's where you start to get those really creative, innovative conversations where you have two unlikely conversational partners joining forces to spitball and invent in a lot of cases. So I love what you just said, because that is a huge like second order effect of the walks. But this is like where I really want the walks to help Austin grow into, which is like Paris in the 20s. I genuinely believe that the the speed that Austin is bringing in new people of all backgrounds, uh, especially from the big cities, from SF, from New York City, of all different types. We've got comedy coming back. We've got the creators coming back. We've got, of course, we've got a lot of tech folks coming coming over here. We've got venture capitalists. We, I'm seeing it in real time reflected on my walks every Saturday, the density of just highly talented people with a point of view, creative people, vision-oriented people, and they're all going to be in the same space. And as a third order effect of having all of these people in the same space to just brainstorm, not to network, not to let's go and give out business cards, but to literally just have conversations and see where the flow takes them. That is what's going to take Austin to the next level. That's where I think Austin has the potential to be a renaissance city. I love the idea of trying to replicate the cafe culture of 1920s Paris. However, the question I have is, I know you have scaled to talking about San Francisco. The point of the cafe culture was the consistency. You could go there all the time. So if you want to replicate that with the walk, why can't, then why aren't you doing a second day a week or a third day a week instead? Because that's the, that's the harder, because it was always, I could, I mean, in theory, that's the third place concept. We all go to Starbucks. We all, you know, I'm going to work here. And that's, that's the, that's the dream, right? Of, of I'm going to do this. What, and I haven't seen literature that I'm going to make a, a guess, right? Is one of the reasons that the cafe culture of Paris at that time worked and I don't think that the third place concept of the Starbucks works as well today is literally screens is if I'm absorbed with the headphones on and into the screen, the likelihood that I'm going to be chatting with the people next to me uh, in a actual conversation, like you would in that, the, the style that we were, you know, at that time, or going back to the, the shops in the 1700s, right? Like that's why you were able to do, the, you know, the American Revolution was the, you know, the tea shops, right? And so if I'm not that kind of absorbed, so that's, that becomes the positive nature of the, the walk. You just said, like, I've got, I'm not looking at my watch. I'm, we, we're all having this kind of aired out. But then, if you, again, if you want to replicate that, having it just two hours one day, uh, one time a week, 
you're not going to have that scale. I'm not saying you should be doing that, but but how do you how do you kind of square that circle? Yes, that is a great question. So that what I described to you in terms of like what I think that the walks will do as second, third order effects to Austin as a city is very much um, a happy accident, if I'm being honest, because I love what the walks are going to help Austin achieve. But what I'm most excited about about the walks is the feelings of connection and belonging that they have created for people in a time of extreme disconnection because of what you just said. So because of the fact that um, there's no serendipity anymore, because there are very few moments of genuine presence. When you go on a walk, even by yourself, which I do on a daily basis, and you look around and you see everybody has headphones in, everybody is on do not disturb in real life. And they don't get disturbed, right? But it's in those moments of presence and, hey, I'm making eye contact with you. And, hey, like I can strike up a conversation with you, uh, you know, on the trail. It's in those moments that we push humanity forward because we have those moments of just, wow, that was an electric, life-changing conversation I never would have had. We're not having those moments anymore unless they are planned serendipity, which is another one of my philosophies for the walks. That is very much how I see the walks. It's planned serendipity. It is bringing people together who would probably all be somewhere in the city walking the trail by themselves, but most likely in do not disturb mode, who are like, you know what? We are we are ready to be disturbed. We don't have headphones in. We don't have our phones out. We are ready to talk. We are here with this intention. That's what makes it special. So with all that said, what I'm most excited about after doing this for 58 weeks in a row is I've heard from so many people. I mean, at this point, over a thousand people, the impact that these walks have had on their lives. And when I think about, wow, I created this thing that is bringing people together on a weekly basis, similar to church, if you will, and draw that comparison where you have a weekly event in the same external environment that you see familiar faces at, at the same place, same time on a weekly basis. I basically invented an alternative to that kind of connection spot, that, that vehicle for belonging that I want to bring to other cities. And, and that's where my focus is outside of Austin itself. I'm very proud to have built this here. And I know, I just already know in the folks I've talked to that some of those effects that we're talking about, those second order effects, some of the startups on the scene were created on the walks. So I know that Austin has already benefited in more ways than one from the walks, but my sights are really in like, wow, just by sheer like happy luck and an extension of something that I absolutely love to do, I have created a solution for the disconnection and lack of presence that exists all around the country. And I want to bring my solution, this in real life experience, very, very slowly and intentionally to as many places as I can, which is what led me to San Francisco, hosted by the amazing Adele Block. She's done four walks so far, which is very exciting. And I'm using that uh, second chapter, the San Francisco chapter, as a little bit of an alpha test to understand, okay, how do we scale this thing to other cities? What obstacles are we running into? How do we need to refine and change the playbook that I've created on community management? Is there any part of this that breaks when it goes beyond me? That is what I'm learning with the help of Adele. And I've got quite a few amazing woman hosts in a, quite a few cities lined up when I'm ready. But when it comes to the grand vision, I really want to bring this to as many cities as possible. Like this thing is magical and Austin will benefit, but it goes beyond Austin. I want to bring the magic to the entire country. And we even have some folks who have applied to host internationally as well, which I'm very excited about. So it'll go beyond the United States even at some point. What do you see as the interconnectedness of the cities that you have, the, the walks? And so let's just take San Francisco and Austin and just pretend for a moment that's it. Where do you see the, yeah. the additional, you know, one plus one equals three 
ability there where if you have in those two cities, what connections, what increased belongingness can happen by just having the same experience in those two cities? So when it comes to the walk format itself, I went very much to, we discussed this like first principles thinking where it was like, I want to go down to the basics. I really didn't want to be influenced by any materials. So I didn't read any books on how to host, how to throw an event, how to do a networking event. I just wanted to really go in with a blank slate and to pay very close attention to field research. Like how do I feel as an attendee? How do I see that hosts are showing up and then kind of build from like a very authentic place to me. So (laughs) that's the first little thing I'll say as I'll say that like the walks themselves came from this very organic place. But then when I think about like how the different cities play with each other, like that core structure, that core organic nature will always be there regardless but it will exist in the same exact way. So like the Saturday eight in the morning, the ground rule speech, even the way that the ground rule speech is delivered, the kind of person that we are hosting the walks for, curious, kind, open-minded and loves conversations. Every element that exists in the Austin walk has been taken to San Francisco. So what I'm creating there, almost if you think about like the difference between Disneyland and Disney World and the experience between those two places, If you go into both of those places, you're going to leave with the same feeling. You're going to experience the Disney princesses the same way. You're going to experience the parks in a very similar, if not close to identical way. That's what I'm building in other cities. So I'm very, very intentionally choosing like who is the the perfect host for this experience. Somebody who has the qualities that I believe are essential to creating that right environment, that right energy, that right culture. And this is where this all ties together so that if you are from Austin going to the Austin walk every Saturday, but you're traveling to New Jersey or California or Alabama, North Carolina, South Carolina, you can attend a walk Saturday eight in the morning and have that same predictable experience regardless of where you are. So that what I'm really thinking about right now is the in real life experience parody that's what I care about is like, I really want to create something where you've got plans every Saturday, eight in the morning, no matter where you are to dedicate two hours to having energizing conversations with a very specific kind of person. And I know that this is, um, this is where I, I go back to kind of the beginning when it comes to first principles, what I care about is that base connection via conversation And I think that coming from a tech background and and tech being what I do in my uh, day-to-day, the job that I actually get paid for, (laughs) when I think about like where tech comes in, I am much more interested in solving the in real life parody because it's such a hard challenge. Oh my gosh, it's endlessly challenging. And I want to build a tech solution to connect. This is the city interconnectivity later, once I've really perfected the in real life experience, because that is, that is the golden thread. Like the in real life experience parody is what will take this thing to a level that will accomplish my major vision of creating a space in every city for people who are like this, for like my person, for the people I want to build for. And the tech is the easy part. That's why I'm not focused on it. It's like creating some kind of platform where if you're a member of the board, which is why they're called the boardwalks because the Uh, community is the board. Yeah, that's my long-term vision is that anyone who joins the walks is a member of the board and you can connect with other members of the board regardless of your geographic region and you'll have a guaranteed good time because you know the kind of person that comes on these walks because it's highly intentional. So it all kind of goes back. But that's something that I'm, I'm honestly not focused on right now because it's the easy part. I really feel like that's just going to be so easy to do because the hard part is actually, have you heard of Andrew Chen's cold start problem? I have, but break it down a little bit. Yeah. So I bring this up because basically this is really reducing the concept. But what he talks about in the book is that with any consumer social app, you can build this like brilliant genius product to connect people. But if you have no users, 
you don't have a product. And if you don't have a product, you don't have users. And it kind of goes in this chicken and egg situation. I wanted to solve the hard part first. Like I really wanted to invent a new event format and a culture around this format that would solve the tech part later. But I think maybe that gets to the core because I've had this discussion a number of times. I'm on like seven different Slack channels on, you know, X and Twitter, on, on LinkedIn. And the complaint I have consistently is the lack of ability to have conversations about topics because the the Slack channels almost always become extraordinarily transactional. And I don't mean transactionally bad. I meant just like I have, I need, I want. You have, like, so it's very, you know, singular, you know, what back and forth. And you can't really go deep into conversation. Some of it's structural, right? Uh, especially one of the things that I found on, on both, uh, you know, LinkedIn and, uh, and, and Twitter is just by the algorithm basis of it is... Okay, if I put it out there and if I didn't happen to be okay on the algorithm this week, then if nobody saw it, well, then there's no discussion that's going to be had. So that's a, becomes a slight issue on some, on, on actually driving any sort of deeper discussion on whatever it is the topic being. And I don't even mean like controversial topics. I mean, like I try to have ecosystem topics, a lot of like, Hey, what do we think about this or that, or this, this new, uh, you know, bit in the ecosystem or this data that came out. And so it might just be that the parts that I'm looking for, we haven't solved in tech because it just, it isn't necessarily, the answer is conversation. I can't tell, so I love that you mentioned this because there is, you know this, but there is no shortage of consumer social technology platforms that are basically trying to do the same thing. They are either trying to, hey, here's the tech you can use to create an event page to bring people together, right? So that'd be like your Partiful, which I love Partiful, by the way. I've used it for many events. But that's like one way of slicing it. A second way of slicing it is, hey, we're a platform where we're sourcing events that are already happening and being hosted on our thing. So that's like an Eventbrite, right? Or a meetup. That's like, we're taking the magic and we're just putting it into the tech part. But... I really wanted to go the opposite way because I feel like this is what is really exciting to me. As a somebody who works in tech and who is around, <laughs> I, I, I work at Meta, as you know, who's around you know advertising products all the time, around digital products all day long. I'm very familiar with that world. But where I wanted to challenge myself was like, you know what? The really, really hard thing to do is to create the in real life experience and just and account for the really hard parts that people don't like that you just said actually. So you just said that when you're in digital channels like Slack, it becomes transactional. It becomes people coming in trying to sell or shill things all the time. It becomes, and this is speaking from my experience, when I'm in digital channels that are uh, usually unmoderated entirely, what happens is, it becomes very intimidating to see, oh, wow, there are a thousand people in this channel. Why am I going to bother everyone with a notification? I think about that all the time, right? So like, is this the right place? Am I going to bother everybody? Oh, uh, if no one's saying anything, like we've all been put in 4 million group chats that just go dead because nobody's leading the group chat, right? So if there's not that initiator, if that's, there's not that glue, that social connection, that host who's guiding the intentionality or the, or the why or keeping the conversation going, the conversation dies. So what I was really interested in solving is like, you know what? What if we were to fix this, solve this, all of these problems we just said in real life, which is where my ground rules for the walks come in, while also bringing in new people, fresh ideas, fresh perspectives on a weekly basis. So, you know, on the walks, um, we're averaging over 50 people right now. And uh, on each of the walks, there's 10 to 15 brand new people from brand new backgrounds, brand new ages, just net new. That's what keeps 
it almost like a new people being added to the chat, right? So they come in and they share their ideas. They share their energy. They're like, oh, this is the, this is the dynamic of today's walk. We've got 10 to 15 new people and they're adding their own flair to it in conjunction to the regulars, right? Who come on a weekly basis. That, that doesn't just happen. That has to be very intentionally maintained just like an online chat room would where you'd like block people who aren't fitting the intention or being rude or transactional or silly. I learned how to do that in real life, which is hard. That is literally way hard. I mean, I can't tell you, Jason, it is, it is hard to have these conversations, which I've created like playbooks for over the last 58 weeks. That's why I've been going so methodically and some would say slowly because I needed to get this right. I literally needed to invent ways to have these conversations and to tell anyone who hosts the walks in other cities, hey, decision tree. If someone says this, you say this. If someone comes wanting to sell, this is what you say. I was inventing scripts on how to do the block button in real life, literally. And that is There's no playbook. There's no script. I drew inspiration from oddball sources that kind of fit. Like, for example, Brene Brown and her work on shame and vulnerability is very inspirational to me. Uh, Shout out Texas Research. Love it. And I, I pulled from these like very interesting sources for inspiration, but nobody has created that. No one has created like if you have an an open event that happens weekly that anyone can come to, literally anyone can come to, even if you don't meet the parameters of curious, kind, open-minded and love conversation, you can still come. Right. And then in that case, that's how you get the new people in. But what if somebody who's new joining is not following the intention or they're coming in, they're selling, promoting speed dating, or they are one way monologuing, or they are talking about their dating woes for two hours and talking someone's leg off, or they are being combative, or they are coming with a really aggressive energy. What do you do? really, what do you do? That's what I've been discovering over the last year. So long story short, (laughs) I took the hard path for this. And I feel like once I solve fully with the help of San Francisco in this alpha test, the hard part, and I test, I battle test everything I've invented through via the playbooks, the tech part is going to be so easy. That is a great place to always to wrap with the same question that uh, I always uh, end with. L, yeah. what's next, Austin? Oh man! Oh, what's next, Austin? I, I'm going to harken back to Paris in the twenties. I believe it. I see it. I see it every single week. I mean, without exception, the conversations that I even just they they said. <laughs> Two weeks ago, someone was telling me about, I believe it was a Paul Graham essay that he wrote way long time ago, I think in 2008 or nine. The city's, the city's essay. Yeah. 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 You know it. The city's essay. I just, I just got, someone just sent that to me. Yeah. The 2008 essay. There was a line in there. It was just very brief, but I loved it. And it was that you can judge the quality of a city by its eavesdropping Mm. and by the quality of its eavesdropping. And I'll say that the walk conversations that I'm not even directly in, but I just hear out of the corner of my ear are so fantastic and creative and just truly like innovative. I'll give an example because this is just so wild on the last walk. This is a, what I like to call the parking lot conversations. So this is after the five miles, this is after two, you know, 0.5 ish hours of talking and people will stay until sometimes 1, 2 p.m. in this parking lot just jamming because they just are, they feel alive. They feel ready to chat. We were talking, this this group of maybe seven of us, about what if you had an investment firm? You know how they did that study or, or that little experiment where monkeys were beating hedge fund managers and, and creating higher returns? This was like years ago. They were literally having monkeys choose like, yeah, like basically predict the market and they were outperforming hedge fund managers. I can send it to you. It was hilarious. That was one of the conversations on the walks. And then in this circle of like seven people, we're like, oh, 
wouldn't it be so funny if you like chose different animals as mascots who would like predict the market by doing certain things or like touching certain buttons and then it could become like a kid's game they could all have colors and then it could become like hogwarts houses and it could be this whole big branding behind it. i mean it was actually it was it started from an absurd place but it became something that was honestly pretty compelling <laughs> i was like this is freaking awesome and this is exactly what happens when you have people from all different backgrounds in the same place, you just have just the wackiest knowledge sharing and creative ideas that just you, someone says it and then you add a layer, 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 layer. And then you have something really cool that you invented right there in 20 minutes. So that's what I'll say is like, what's next Austin is more creative collisions that will bring about Paris in the twenties energy that I know that the city is capable of because I see it every week. I absolutely love it. I'll be sure. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was great to be here. Thank you. So what's next, Austin? We're glad you've joined us on this journey. Please subscribe at your favorite podcast catcher. Leave us a review and let your colleagues know about us. This will help us grow the podcast and continue bringing you unique interviews and insights. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.